We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. Program guests and Craig Roberts not affiliated with Vitucci and Associates. Information provided for illustrative purposes only does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information obtained from sources deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Vitucci and Associates have no liability for information discussed. Consult with qualified investment, tax, or legal professional prior to taking action. Securities and advisory services offered through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC, Vitucci and Associates, and United Planners Financial Services are not affiliated. The views and opinions expressed are based on current economic and market conditions and are subject to change. All investing involves risk, including the potential for loss of principal. Pat Petucci says, don't invest and forget. Invest and forget. Invest and forget. Welcome to Don't Invest and Forget, a weekly financial news magazine designed to educate and equip you with the roadmap and direction you need to manage your money, meet your financial goals, and instill confidence in your investment choices on the road to retirement. Your host is author, radio commentator, and investment advisor, Pat Fatucci of Fatucci & Associates. With over 30 years' experience in the world of finance and investment planning, Pat specializes in personal and corporate investment management with special emphasis on retirement planning. Top economists are divided on where the U.S. economy is headed this year as inflation remains high and job growth remains robust. Tesla and CEO Elon Musk sued by shareholders who say they've overhyped the effectiveness and safety of the automaker's self-driving tech, and applications for mortgages hit a 28-year low. Welcome once again to this edition of Don't Invest and Forget, the program that each and every week helps you keep your finger on the pulse of your money from Wall Street to Main Street to your wallet. Our host, author, and 30-plus year financial manager, Pat Vitucci, and I'm Craig Roberts. Well, Pat, kind of a mixed bag in the world of money this week. Certainly, we're keeping a very close watch on the Fed and its actions, and it continues to suggest that rate increases are not over with yet. Of course, we saw just a relatively mild quarter of a percent uptick in the last meeting, but some have to wonder as we continue to see low unemployment, whether or not the Fed is going to come back and perhaps be a bit more aggressive next time around, certainly making folks that are looking to become first-time home buyers or consider refinancing a bit on the nervous side, given what's happened with the mortgage rates. You know, Craig, the economy is always a topic of conversation, whether you're at a party or having dinner with a friend or chit-chatting on the phone. So many prognosticators and specifically economists that have a lot of very succinct predictions. And I'm going to tell you, economists have a terrible batting average. Lots of opinions about are we going to have a recession, a depression? Is inflation going to kill the economy? And what's the Federal Reserve doing? How about the employment numbers? I'm suspicious that there's an agenda of why somebody will predict dire consequences or superlative, wonderful market. There's something being sold or there's some influence that is behind some of these ideas. And maybe that's me being a little bit suspicious of some of these ideas. But you and I get emails every day. You know, the world is coming to an end. 
buy my book and I'll save you because this sector of the economy is is going to be just fine. But you've got to buy my book or you've got to buy my product. It's a sales job. We've got to be very cautious about buying into some of these ideas. So here we are in the first quarter of 23. We'll get one or two more rate increases, probably a quarter point. And so it becomes a giant guessing game because you get a, a whole collection of conflicting leading and lagging indicators that intimate ever so slightly the direction of the economy. We've got to factor all those into our decision-making about where should our portfolio be, and that's where we as financial advisors are studying the markets every day. Not that we have any specific answers, but just intimate where the market might be going. Then you get guys like Elon Musk he announced this past week he's going to bring all of the Tesla engineers to the Bay Area again, took over the former HP campus. And so we've got that kind of leading story, which runs exactly the opposite of other business leaders making decisions to go to Texas and move their headquarters, Oracle, HP, and the list goes on and on out of California. Concurrently, Tesla announces a new factory in Monterey. Not Monterey, California, Monterey, Mexico, where they're going to build cars valued at $25,000. So they're going after that lower cost model that could play nicely for that electric vehicle in the lower cost market. There's a lot of new players coming in. A number of other electric car makers around the globe are beginning to go after that smaller car cost market. We've got to take all that into account. Obviously, he's going to Mexico for lower labor costs. Target's chief financial officer says organized retail crime cost the retailer hundreds of millions of dollars in lost profit. These are the folks that come in, fill their bag of stuff, and just walk out the front door because in some states, i.e. California, they will not prosecute. I think it's less than $750 in goods. Walgreens and CBS and all of them are suffering from the same thing. It's now mounting to where the numbers are just not nickel dimes anymore. Now it's hundreds of millions of dollars, and the retail business, they call that shrinkage. When shrinkage becomes a, a big line item on a um, financial statement, it generally gets more attention. You mentioned at the top of the show mortgage applications at a 28-year low. I don't think that's going to cure itself anytime soon because we've got another one or two rate increases in the next couple Federal Reserve meetings. Again, we've got a potpourri of information. We see the Dow Jones pretty much fairly flat, right around that 32, 33, 34,000 mark. High tech kind of recovering from last year, but still has a ways to go. And then, of course, as the year goes on, we've got the presidential political race heating up. We've got a number of candidates already announcing their decision to run probably going to be like last time with the Republican Party went there. It was something like 17 people on that debate stage, and it whittled down to just one. Yes, politics will continue to affect the economy. As the year goes on, we'll get more and more of an influence from a political point of view. Not going to have that go away anytime soon. I guess, Pat, at the end of the day, the big concern on the minds of so many investors that are hearing all of these conflicting reports, as you suggest, and one moment, one source seems to talk about the economy looking very rosy and bright. 
Another source of information seems to suggest we're in for some difficult times, and investors who've been kind of lulled into a false sense of security over all these recent years, that for the most part, their investment choices, again, varies from individual to individual, but for the most part, watching your 401k grow. Well, now it takes a bit more of a deft touch, and the terms of engagement have changed over the last couple of years. So with that in mind, for investors that are particularly particularly on the cusp of looking at retirement and say within the next two to three years. How should they approach all of this and what should they do with all these conflicting reports? Well, it really takes a full comprehensive analysis of not only the assets, liabilities, the lifestyle you're expecting in retirement, what your legacy plans are, how much you want to leave your kids. If you have any kids, do you want to let the last check bounce? Or do you want to leave them a million dollars? You know, there's all kinds of ideas about legacy planning and how it relates to your current portfolio design. We still offer free consultation, no obligation, in any one of our Bay Area offices, either in person, Zoom, or telephone call. And it really drills down and looks at not only the numbers, but looks at what is your personality type. And if you're married, if you're single, what are your plans when you get that last paycheck? What will your lifestyle look like? Will you require to move to fill in the blank, Florida, Texas, Costa Rica, Portugal, or will you stay in expensive Bay Area and be able to maintain your, your lifestyle? A whole host of issues need to be addressed, and it's not a one-size-fits-all. So we would encourage our listeners to come in and get that free consultation and just get another opinion. Even if you're retired, has your portfolio shrunk in the last year or two? And what is that doing to your income levels? Uh, are you on a sustainable path or is uh, a Walmart greeter as your next career? And maybe that's okay. I'm not casting uh, stones at that, but maybe that's not what you want to do. So give us a call. We'd be glad to chat with you, your financial future, the path and the road to a stress-free retirement. And to take advantage of that complimentary financial health and retirement plan review that Pat just spoke of, call toll-free 888-PLAN-WISE. That's 888-P-L-A-N-W-I-S-E, or easier still, on the web at don'tinvestandforget.com. Pat Petucci says, don't invest and forget, invest and forget, invest and forget. My special guest today is Robert Sheeman. Robert is the author of How Come That Idiot's Rich and I'm Not. In his book, he shows readers how they can become rich idiots. Robert, congratulations. This is your 11th book. That's correct. What made you get such an impolite title as How Come That Idiot's Rich and I'm Not? Well, you know, we've all thought it, and uh, that's why I kind of got started is, you know, I wasn't doing very well, wasn't making any money, and I looked around and said, wait a minute, you know, look at all these rich idiots, and I met a few people who were not the brightest bulbs in the tanning bed, so to speak, good people, having a great life, and I said, if they can do it, I can do it. What are they doing that anybody can do? And so I kind of laid it out very simply in a book, and, you know, if you follow the steps, which uh, I'm sure you talk a lot about, you will get there over time. The question is, why aren't more people doing it? Is it a cultural thing? Is it a mindset? Is it a type A personalities only achieve this level? Is there any common thread that you've seen? Yeah, the common thread is it has nothing to do with intelligence, background, starting with money, being super smart or a type A or B personality. It's basically people that take simple actions over time. Uh, there's no get-rich-quick scheme, but I met all these people who were just doing these simple things over and over again, and it worked. 
You know, I myself was voted least likely to succeed. The guy that got me started, who was a multimillionaire, never graduated high school, didn't have a computer, doesn't have one now. So, you know, education or personality type or background has nothing to do with it. It's all about doing some simple things that everybody knows. The question is, why aren't they doing it? You know, as a kid, I love to play Monopoly. I think the only thing I learned from Monopoly, it's the whole idea of leveraging your time and leveraging your assets. Is that That's right. Take a little bit of risk, you know, not too much. Working hard, but also getting your money to work hard. Isn't that one of the keys? You know, your money is always going to work harder than you. And a lot of people are probably saying right now, well, I don't have any money or don't have enough. How can I get it to work for me? So the first thing you got to do is decide where you want to be. You know, everybody's out there working and saving or, or hopefully saving something, running around. We help people determine what their goals are. Where do they want to be 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now? What's the number? And my definition of rich for people is maybe a little different. Definition of rich is you can do whatever you want to do when you want to do it and not have to worry about money. And for everybody uh, listening, that could be a different number. It could be 3000 a month. 10000 a month, 30000 a month, whatever it is, figure out what it is and, and let's show you how to get there. So you talk about OPM, other people's money, building and building wealth. And that's really what you're underscoring right now, aren't you? Well, yeah, that's part of it. There's really only a, one way to get wealthy, and that's own asset. You're never going to get wealthy uh, basically trading your uh, hours for dollars. And the only three assets you can really own are, of course, systematic stock and bond uh, investing over time. Uh, number two is real estate. And number three is starting your own business, which is creating an asset. I personally like to do all three, but you have to pick at least one to get wealthy materially over time. We've all seen the statistics. The average American is in a lot of debt. You talk in your book about good debt and bad debt. How can good debt help achieve some of these financial goals? And there's a subtle difference, but it has a big exponential difference in how that money grows between good debt and bad debt. That's right. And, you know, most really wealthy people understand what good debt is, and they don't have any bad debt. Bad debt is debt on depreciating assets or assets you've already used up, like uh, clothes, cars, uh, furniture, uh, cruises. You know, I, I pay my credit cards off every month, so I'm using money free for 30 or 45 days. And the good debt is debt for investing that you understand, that you're comfortable with, not speculating, not borrowing more you can afford to pay back, but debts on real estate or business, where the money coming in is much greater than the debt going out, and the asset is going to appreciate over time. Now, we're not speculators. We're not uh, you know, borrowing money to buy uh, gold for a week or something like that. It's a long-term investing in assets that are going to appreciate over time. One thing I think you point out really nicely is time is an asset. A minute it just passed in the last 60 seconds. We can't get that back. It's gone. It's gone, and the question did we use it productively, effectively? We'll never get that minute back. And how will you spend the next five minutes, the next five hours, <laughs> the next five months? Time is an asset, isn't it? Yeah, we teach about how to track their time, whatever they're doing, and, and how to use it. Because that's really what it's all about, is getting more time to do what you love to do. And I'll give you an example. You know, we're talking about money. Most people, a lot of smart people out there try to figure it all out themselves, you know, play the stock market, figure out which uh, is the best uh, fund to get into. I want to do other things with my time, so I get experts to help me out. That's what most rich idiots do. A lot of people out there think they have to do everything themselves. They don't. You know, I've got a good financial planner. I've got a good accountant, bookkeeper. They do all the stuff for me. I've got a good attorney. So I can go out and do what I do best and have more free time. And that's why a lot of people never get started investing, saving, building a business, is they think they have to do everything themselves, and it's not true. Getting wealthy is a team sport. Rich is not just defined as money, but true wealth comes from gratitude for the things that really count in life, family and freedom of time to do what you want to do. You can't always keep score with balance in your savings account. That's absolutely right. And 
how come that it's rich and I'm not? We talk about being rich, and the kind of different thing about this book, the last chapter is turn it all on its head. It's not a number. And I'll give you an example. I've got a friend worth $12 million. That's a, that's a pretty good chunk of money. And he's worried about money every day, stressed out, doesn't enjoy himself. He's not rich. I don't care how much money he has. So if you don't start with gratitude, and you know, here in America, most of us materially are so wealthy compared to the rest of the world, we, we don't even have any idea. You know, Half the world doesn't even have access to drinking water. Most people live on less than a dollar a day. So if you're making 10, 20, 30, 100, 200, $300 an hour, if you don't have grateful for what you have, I don't think you can ever be rich. So it's really, as you point out, it's that mindset of being appreciative of what you have, but just to challenge yourself and grow more. So actually you can give more to your charity of choice, share your gifts. That's right. And, you know, we tell people whatever makes you happy, that's what you need to do more of, you know, whether it's boating, uh, getting a Lamborghini, uh, taking a cruise, spending time with your family. But most people, especially wealthy people, you know, there's a myth, you know, wealthy people are greedy, they're mean. That's false. Wealthy people give a much larger percentage of their income to charity than, than middle class or poor people. And I think it's a responsibility to get wealthy because, you know, most of us like to help other people. So if you have $100,000, you can help some people. But if you have a million dollars, you can help a lot more people, whether it's your family, your friends, or your charity of choice. So I think it's an obligation to make sure that you get wealthy and that money's going where you want it to go and you're doing what you want to do now. You know, Robert, I'm going to put you on the spot. We have some politicians who define rich people as bad people and they're evil people and we're going to get them and how dare they make all that money. But what you point out is absolutely right on. Rich people give a lot more. They create jobs. But there's some in the political world who demonize almost those rich folks for making all that money and doing good works, doing good deeds. Well, thanks for bringing that up. That's one of the myths about money is, is you know, to be wealthy, you got to be greedy and mean and tough and step on people. And look at them. Besides the politicians, look at the media. You know, you look at these movies or shows like Titanic. You know, I want to throw the wealthy people overboard. They were mean and greedy. And that is just a myth. It's not true. Look at the two wealthiest people in this country, Bill Gates and Warren Buffett. They're giving all their fortune away, yeah. you know, or 90% of it. I mean, they're making huge inroads. Again, statistically, wealthy people generally are uh, more generous by two times in the percent of income they give to charity. And, you know, a lot of people spend the first part of their life getting a lot of assets, which is fantastic. And then they spend the last part of their life giving them away or making them sure they go to the right places like family and charity. So I tell people, why not start now you know, when you're young doing that? But again, that's just a big myth. And by the way, look at those politicians' income, $10, $20 million a year. I don't think they'd be poor by any means. Robert, I'm going to put you on the spot here. What are some of the things that our listeners, what are some of the first steps? You know, how do I get started in this cultural mindset, this different perspective of how to look at life and how to look at money as a friend and not as an evil issue? We go through where people get their ideas about money because you really have to look at the root. And I know myself, I have a great family. I was brought up, anytime I asked for anything, whether it was a nickel piece of gum or a $10 toy, it was like, Robert, we can't afford this. Most people like myself come from a mentality of scarcity, you know, being rich or very wealthy for other people. You have to really work hard and do it all yourself. And that's not true. And we really look at all those myths of getting rich. You know, rich people are mean and greedy, which we just talked about, which is not true. My mother uh, and a lot of people's moms who are great moms told me, don't go outside without a coat, you'll catch a cold. Well, that's not how you catch a cold. It's from viruses and bacteria. You know, so we got to really examine where we come up with these ideas of money. And the bottom line is a lot of us were taught to go work hard for a company, work hard for somebody else, 
And then when you're 70 years old, if you saved a few dollars, you can uh, retire, have fun for a year or two, and then you die. I didn't like that plan. And the, basically, the only way to get wealthy is own and create asset. And you've got to pick a way to do it. Before we do that, we get you to uh, basically look at a spending plan. We don't call it a savings or debt reduction plan because we want to make money fun. Everything has energy. If you say it's hard work, then it's hard work. Whatever you focus on grows. If you say it's difficult or I can't do it, then you're right. It is difficult and you can't do it. You know, we tell people, one, we show how to get your debt, your bad debt under control, get a cushion, and then start systematic investing. you got to look at asset allocation. I use the pros. I mean, I understand this stuff. I can do it, but I want to go get a professional to sit down with me and say, Robert, what are your goals? And uh, look at what I'm doing and make sure that what I'm doing is going to meet those goals, whatever they are, financially over the long term. And then, of course, I, I think real estate's an asset. We have a chapter called Three Deals and You're Done. Imagine if your mom or grandmother would have got um, three pieces of real estate and you still had them in your family today, what would your net worth be? Same thing's probably going to happen over the next 10, 15, 20 years. And the third thing, of course, is starting your own business, even part-time. It's not for everybody, but you got to start that systematic investing program for the long term. And you know, everyone hears about the market. It's a good time. you got to get started investing. And the other thing is get help. You don't have to do it all by yourself. Robert, in your book, you said rich idiots love real estate. What's your updated version of real estate now? Always the same. We buy, and I teach people, and rich idiots buy everything wholesale, real estate, cars, jewelry, whatever. And there's a retail market, which most people pay full price for stuff, including real estate. And unfortunately, a lot of people who didn't follow this advice paid full price for some real estate. The market went down 10, 20, 30% in some areas. Uh, Rich Idiot always buys way below market. So if the market drops a little bit, they're still okay. And they're buying for the long term, just like investing. So our focus isn't six months or a year or two. It's 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years. And over time, generally, stocks, bonds, real estate do fantastic. The question is, is why haven't people started acquiring those assets? And in a down market, when everyone else is selling, I believe it's a good time to be buying. When everyone else is buying, it's a good time to be selling. So this is not a get-rich-quick scheme. You're not suggesting by two weeks from next Thursday, folks are going to be absolutely you know, multi-millionaires sitting back on the beach and traveling on their big yacht. This is hard work, and this is you know diligence. It's not getting that hot stock tip that's going to you know quadruple over the next month. This is not some uh, false idea of, you know, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Right. And there is no get rich quick scheme. There's no, everyone's looking for the secret magic button. There's no such thing. Rich idiots do simple things over time. And uh, you mentioned something else, the hot stock tip. It's like Vegas. You always hear about that person at work who says, oh, I bought that stock and it you know, went up 300% last year. I hit a home run. But they never tell you about the 20 other stocks they picked that went down. You know, they tell you about the one trip to Vegas, but they never tell you about the other 18 trips where they lost money. So you've got to have a professional plan systematic, long-term. And I always uh, tell people to ask themselves this question for business, for money, for their time, and it's a big one. What's my focus? Is it the market? Is it interest rate? Or is it your short, medium, and long-term goals? If your focus is making money, long-term retirement, systematic savings, investing, systematic real estate, start your own business, that's the only way to go. You got to pick one at least and stick with it. I do all three. A lot of rich idiots do all three. In your chapter, you talk about really moderation in life, certainly having focus and drive to build wealth, but also specifically mentioned spending time for vacations, family, friends, that moderation, that balance. Otherwise, you burn out and you want to just go live in the forest, right? You know, money's just energy. You know, it, what are you going to do with it? I've not had money and it, I didn't like it. And I've had a lot of money and I like it a lot better. <laughs> so I highly recommend the latter. But I'll tell you this is what's it all about is time. 
And how are you spending your time? We teach people what's important is, is family, friends. And a lot of people are spending so much time doing stuff they don't want to do, bookkeeping, accounting, running a business, trying to figure out uh, the intricacies mm-hmm. of the stock market. My job in all my businesses and investing is to do nothing. I want to have fun. I want to spend time with my son and travel, do spiritual, religious pursuits, whatever you like to do. So we teach people to track their time and analyze what are they doing, what's making them money, what do they love to do, and get them to do more of what they love to do and more of what's really making them money over time. All right, so there's somebody out there saying, you know what, this sounds great, but I don't have any money. I'm not smart enough. I've got so many things going against me. You know, your ideas are great, but this really pertains to somebody else. Right, and, you know, everyone thinks that, and I tell people, whatever you think, you're right. But I'll tell them this. I was a busboy from Nashville, Tennessee. I graduated 424 out of 425. I failed pretty much every class. I was told I would never be able to go to college and, you know, to go work for a factory for 50 years. And, you know, the number one determinant of success is desire. And uh, I have a 14-year-old son. I'm a single dad. And there's one thing I don't allow in my house is the word I can't. Those are excuses. Ask, how can I? When I did my first investment, I had no money, no credit. So I found someone who had money and credit, and we split the deal. 50% of 90000 is better than zero. So there's always a way to do it if you want to. But if you don't want to, you're not going to do it. And systematic stock market investing, we teach about to get out of debt. Start with 5 10 20 bucks, and, and you know this, $89 a week, if you pick the wrong, you know, one that didn't even outperform the market, in 30 years becomes over a million dollars. That's what most people spend on you know, parking tickets or coffee last week. So you know, the thing is, you just got to get started. We're talking today with Robert Cheeman. Robert is the author of How Come That Idiot's Rich and I'm Not. In this book, he talks about building wealth with a three-part plan. If you'd like to come in for our consultation or talk with Robert, give us a call or go to our website, our toll-free number, one plan wise That's 1-888-P-L-A-N-W-I-S-E. We give you a full financial health checkup. Call one plan wise That's 1-888-P-L-A-N-W-I-S-E. We'll talk about some of the rudimentary things that drives wealth. We fully subscribe to what Robert's talking about here. It's not just the millionaires that need help. The millionaires obviously have created this panel of experts that Robert is talking about. The rest of us, you'd like to come in for our financial health checkup, give us a call. one plan wise That's one 888 Any questions for Robert, call one plan wise That's one 888 Robert, thank you so much. Best of luck and continued success with your very well-written book. Well, thank you. I think you offered a service to folks with no obligations. Amazing to sit down and plan where they want to go and how to get there. Everybody needs to do that. That's what I did. Take action. Do it. Do it now. Call 888-PLANWISE. Robert, thanks so much. Happy investing. Pat Petucci says, don't invest and forget. Invest and forget. Invest and forget. And I got a friend of mine who um, ran into kind of an interesting retirement challenge His name is Paul. Paul is about 62 years old. When he started working and raising a family, Paul felt that he couldn't afford to save for retirement. You've probably no doubt heard about that before. But at Paul's next job, he spent nine years when the company he worked for came on hard times. So his employer cashed out his pension plan one year short of when he would become vested. At Paul's next job, he didn't stay long enough to qualify for a company retirement benefit. And then over the next few years, what Paul did save, he pulled out in loans to send his kids to college and eventually send his wife to Hawaii. I'm not sure whether she came back or not. I'll have to ask him that. You know, Pat, finally, Paul got serious about saving for retirement. He scrimped and saved and managed to build up a decent nest egg. But 
Now at the age of 62, he can't help but think about how much better off, he was telling me, thinks he would be if he'd done a better job of socking away money during the first two decades in the workforce. Is that a common story? Yeah, sadly, it is very common. We all get hung up on our day-to-day commitments, and it seems logical to spend money during that moment of your life, but it's always a trade-off based on how you're feeling about what you want to accomplish in the long run. You know, you always solve short-term problems tomorrow and long-term problems you'll postpone. And and then before you know it, like your friend Paul, you're 60 plus years old. You say, wow, maybe I, uh, I should have been a little more diligent in saving my nickels and dimes. It's a classic retirement mistake. It kind of creeps up on you pretty darn quick. You think you're young and then before you know it, you wake up and you say, wow, I'm 60 years old already. And so... We know relying on Social Security and a pension are antiquated ideas, Craig. It's just something that mom and dad live pretty comfortably on on a Social Security and or a pension. So why shouldn't I? Well, we know the world has changed a lot and pensions for most of us are non-existent. And Social Security represents a, a very minor part of our income. The other problem is sometimes we seem to want to solve an immediate problem. So when we change jobs, we cash out of our 401k and pay that visa card off, pay off the car, put a kid through school. And that seems logical at the time. But meanwhile, you've again postponed your retirement. People say, well, I'm going to keep working. I'm just, you know, I'm always going to have great health and I'm going to keep on working. And we hope that's true for most of our listeners. But we know sometimes medical conditions kick in or... Corporate America says, you know what, we're going to downsize you, meaning we're going to fire you, and uh, we think we can hire two 30-year-olds to take your place and not have the kind of fringe benefit costs and the salary costs, and then try to find a comparable job, and instead you're working for $12 an hour, and that, that makes it really difficult to save for a retirement. Not even to speak of not capitalizing on the tax deferral of making those generous deposits every year into to a 401k or IRA. Whatever your plan is at work, your 403B. So it, it's all about postponing that inevitable decision that you know you've got to make. You're really making mistakes at two ends here, aren't you, Pat? In the sense that not only, as you suggest, by not capitalizing on the tax deferral, you're paying higher taxes today. And then, of course, you're losing momentum by not setting that money aside month by month in your retirement plan. So the money is there when you were already retired. It really compounds itself. And, and they're, frankly, number of years able to save is diminishing. It becomes pretty difficult to start saving big chunks of money unless you're blessed with a very low overhead all of a sudden. You've downsized your home or you've downsized your your monthly nut. Perhaps should have been very aggressive in your younger years and predominantly having stocks in your 401k. And now you got to overcorrect and be a little bit too conservative because now you're older and you may need the money sooner. So therefore, it minimizes your performance because now you got to be a little bit more conservative because you're older. And that kind of makes sense. Kind of paint yourself into a corner. You know, we all want to retire early. That seems to be the be the mantra. I'm not sure if, if that's a healthy idea, number one. And I'm not sure if that's a doable idea, number two. Because if you're not really financially prepared with what we call critical mass dollars, in other words, having enough money and getting a decent systematic payment every month to replace that paycheck, retiring early just doesn't become feasible at all. Did Paul make a mistake, Pat, here in the sense that he, he, as you're suggesting, cashed out his pension, or in this case, took a loan out against his 401k in order to send his kids to college and the wife to Hawaii? Not knowing Paul as intimately as you do, what seemed right for him at the time was probably his 
motivation to make that happen. How can you question not sending a kid to college? I mean, that's pretty hard to tell your kid, well, sorry, son, sorry, sorry, daughter. You can't go to school because mom or dad and or dad were irresponsible. You can't tell a child that in most cases. It's a trade-off at the expense of what your fiscal responsibility is to funding your retirement for you and your spouse. Paul's decision is admirable to take care of his kids for their college funding. There's nobody on the face of the earth that would try and deny a child's education. That's admirable. That's the right thing to do. You can take out a loan for the child's education. The child can take out loans or grants or options, all these other opportunities. But Paul cannot borrow money to fund his retirement. There's not a vehicle yet that does that. Maybe the government will invent one of those loans, but I'm not sure when you would pay it off after death. I'm not sure how that would work out. But funding and borrowing for a child's education is a real opportunity. And and let's face it, the child can participate in that. And that adds value to what he or she thinks is the value of an education. There's another chance to kind of redeem Paul and at the same time, perhaps send the right message to his child that he's got to participate. He or she has to participate in the funding of that education. So it's really difficult to put yourself in that kind of predicament, but nevertheless, it happens a lot. And we certainly encourage folks to look at their lifestyle. It's it's all about lifestyle. We all want to keep up with the Joneses. We want to go to Hawaii. We want to go to Europe. We want to drive a nice car and we want to live in the right neighborhood, but it's at what expense? And let's face it, we're not going to want to work forever or the corporate world is going to make a decision for us and they're not going to want us around forever. And so now what do you do when you are faced with the pragmatism of your earning capacity greatly diminished? And what do you do about taking care of business today? How do you pay your PG&E bill tomorrow and your visa bill and your car payment? Oh, by the way, trying to think about retirement. It's a dilemma that is not uncommon, but many times there are solutions. If folks come into our any of our offices, we can get a little creative. In many cases, um, Paul may have a super house that's appreciated wonderfully, and maybe it's time to cash in those expensive two-by-fours, Craig, and, and move to a more a more simple life. So move to a retirement village, and at least there's a chunk of money there that can be used as a source of income. If you see yourself making one of these mistakes, maybe it's time for a little bit of an intervention. Maybe you sit down with one of the advisors from Vitucci and Associates in any of the Bay Area offices can help give you the guidance to not repeat some of these mistakes to keep you on track for retirement. To take advantage of that complimentary financial health and retirement plan review that Pat spoke of just a moment ago, why not call toll-free 888-PLAN-WISE. That's 888 888- P-L-A-N-W-I-S-E. Easier still, you can schedule your appointment conveniently online by going to DontInvestAndForget.com. That's DontInvestAndForget.com. In addition to scheduling your appointment online, you'll also find a number of resources available through the Investor Education tab, including articles and topics such as what we've discussed today on the program. Again, that's DontInvestAndForget.com to get more information or to schedule your complimentary appointment in any of the Bay Area offices of Vitucci and Associates. DontInvestAndForget.com. You've been listening to Don't Invest and Forget with author and investment advisor Pat Vitucci. To gain more information about any of the topics discussed on today's program, 
or to schedule your appointment for a no-obligation financial plan tune-up in one of Bay Area offices of Atucci & Associates near you, go to DontInvestAndForget.com. That's DontInvestAndForget.com. Or call toll-free 888-PLAN-WISE. That's 888-P-L-A-N-W-I-S-E. Or visit DontInvestAndForget.com. Program guests and Craig Roberts not affiliated with Vitucci and Associates. Information provided for illustrative purposes only does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information obtained from sources deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Vitucci and Associates have no liability for information discussed. Consult with qualified investment, tax, or legal professional prior to taking action. Securities and advisory services offered through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC, Vitucci and Associates, and United Planners Financial Services are not affiliated.